Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. We're going to look at Romans 7 this morning. We're, we're going to look at a lot of different uh, verses, as we usually do, uh, but this morning we're going to kind of camp out in Romans chapter 7. Uh, this is one of my favorite sections of Paul's writings of some, some great stuff for us as individuals and together as a church. And so this morning we are just going to work through Romans chapter 7 and see what the Lord is going to say to us. Uh, do you remember a few years ago uh, whenever we had, uh, well I guess I'm getting older um, because I guess it's been more than a few years ago now. I guess 2004, when we had all of those hurricanes, they were like back-to-back-to-back hurricanes that swept across central Florida. Melissa and I were newly married, and we lived in a second-floor apartment in Jacksonville. It was the first place. We'd only been married for six-ish, seven months at that point. And, um, And then all of these hurricanes started going across the state. I thank God that he gave me a praying wife, because in those hurricanes, every one that, that came through, there were people all around us that lost power. And, and I'm not um, making light of this by any, by any means. I'm just thankful that my wife was a praying wife because we never lost power. The power flickered and uh, it immediately came right back on. But what that meant was because we had power and we had friends and we had family They wanted to be really good friends and really good family and come and share in our air conditioning. Uh, But that was okay. Uh, We were excited uh, to allow them to come and be a part of that. But in that moment, as I was preparing for this sermon, uh, the Lord reminded me of that, of what it was like to actually have power and to see so many people, uh, and not just the detriment uh, that happened in property and in lives and and all those casualties, Uh, But he allowed us to see what it was like to have power and to see people all around us that actually had no power. And I want to talk about power in our relationship with God and the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do us, do in us and through us in giving us his power. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 7. And uh, read here starting at verse 15. So if you'll follow along with me. Paul writing here in one of his amazing letters has given us some personal insight into his life. And the changed person that he has actually become. And in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 Paul writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do I do not do. But what I hate I do. I've shared this passage of scripture with you before because it's one of the perplexing statements that Paul actually writes. 
If we, were to t- if we were to go around the room, or we could go around the church as a whole, and we were to name the people that have lived in the past 2,000 or so years outside of Jesus and said, who, or asked the question, who has had the most impact on the church? I promise you that the Apostle Paul would be in the top maybe the top one, top two, three, at least the top five of almost everybody who has ever studied or been a part of the church. We look at the New Testament. The majority of our New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. We look at the work that Paul was doing in individual churches, and man, he launched so many churches, and not just launched the churches, but made sure that they were walking in the truth and grace of a relationship with God. Paul has done some amazing work, but here whenever we read Paul's autobiography, if you will, in some of this section, Paul says, I have a problem that's taking place in my life. There are some things that I know I need to be doing, that I should be doing, but I don't want to do that. But instead, the battle, Paul tells us, that's going on inside of him is that he is doing what he shouldn't be doing. He said, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do it. But what I hate, I do. And so Paul is saying, I have a problem and I have a struggle. And let me tell you, if we were to be honest, every one of us would raise our hand and say, that's a little bit of the problem that I have. If you have ever worked with kids Or if you've ever had kids, and I know grandparents aren't this way, because if you're a grandparent, your grandkids can never do any wrong, right? uh, We're getting ready to go on vacation, and my daughters are so excited to go to grandma's house, because they know when we get there, there's going to be cookies that are made, and no matter what time of night, we've gotten there at one and two in the morning before. My mom gets out of bed and makes sure that the girls have cookies, sugar-filled cookies in in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning. They're so excited to go to grandma's house because they can't do wrong at grandma's. Oh, that's okay. But for the rest of us as kids, we know what this struggle actually is. What I want to do, I don't do. But I'm doing the bad that I know that I shouldn't do. But if you've ever asked a kid who's done wrong and they've been caught red-handed, why did you do that? You know what they I don't know. Why did you do that? I don't know why I did that. I just did that. That's what Paul is writing about here. I wonder if we were to stand before the throne of Jesus and he was to ask us the question, why did you do that? Why did you just let your brain separate itself from your body? And in that moment, why did you do that? I thank God for God's grace that despite my stupidity sometimes, I'm still covered by his grace. And in this refuge of grace, we have to remember that. Because Paul is telling us here, he's experienced daily the grace of God. Think of the amazing stuff that Paul has done by the time we get to Romans chapter 7. In making sure that the gospel is spread to every single person, not just a select group. That Paul was able to fight against those that said, no, it has to be this way. We have to go back to the law. We have to do this. But Paul was calling them back to the blood of Jesus Christ and the work that Jesus actually did. But then he continues to say, I've got a problem. 
I've got a problem. But you know what Paul says? He doesn't just stop with this problem of doing what he shouldn't be doing and knowing what he should do, but instead doing the opposite of that. Paul goes on to give us an answer for that. And here is where we find power in the Christian life. Paul goes on, verse 16, and he says, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So here Paul has identified the problem. He says, whenever you do what you shouldn't do, sin is the issue. Do you know that unless you identify a problem, you can't fix it? Right? Men, it doesn't matter how good of a fixer you are. You can be Bob the Builder and have your own TV show. But some, you don't know who Bob the Builder is? That was funny, right? That was, that, lighten up a little bit here. Um, you can be Bob the Builder. Have your own TV show. It's a cartoon. Google it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it later on. But Bob the Builder can't fix the problem until he identifies the problem. Otherwise, you know what he's doing? He's, you would just be spinning your wheels, Until you know the problem, you can't fix the problem. And Paul says, I know what the problem is. I have a problem in not doing the right thing, but instead doing the wrong thing. But whenever I do the wrong thing, he says, sin is always the problem. The Apostle Paul, who let me tell you, was filled with the Holy Spirit who I would say was on the path to an amazing work of sanctification in his life. But Paul still says in Romans 7, I have a problem with sin in my life. He goes on to say, if you take a look at verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do... Hold on, let me read that one again. There's lots of do's and nots in here. We'll start at verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So Paul says, sin's the problem. And when I'm doing wrong... It's sin that's operating in me. But listen to this, verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me From this body of death. Paul says, here's the problem. I'm doing wrong. I've identified the problem. That there is sin at work in all of those instances. And then he says, what's going to fix it? What is the fix here? And he says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Chapter 8, listen to this. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We could keep going through all of this in chapter 8 where we finally get the answer. But we're going to pause right here and talk about this for just a minute. Because I think if we would be honest with ourselves, despite we're a refuge of grace, despite that we are a people who have experienced the amazing grace of God and have a strong desire inside of us to live the life that he wants us to live, we're all living at times what Paul is writing here. A lot of us are living life in these circles. We try and we fail. We do everything we can and we make up our mind next time, it's going to be different. But then we get in that moment and we fail again. We think, well, my problem is I need to come to church. I need to do better. I need to live live a stronger Christian life. I need to do this. I need to do this. And we think "I, I need to do all of these other things so that I can have power to actually live the way that I know that I actually need to live. But you know what we're doing? We're living the end of Romans chapter 7 in the way that Paul says that he was actually living that. We can't, though, keep taking this pain of failure over and over and over and over. And when we live in this rat race or when we live in this circle of trying our best and failing and trying our best and failing, do you know what we're doing? We're buying into the lie of the enemy that the grace of God doesn't work. And the enemy is saying, hey, look, you tried it and you failed. You thought going to church was going to help you, but you still keep doing wrong. Sin as it work in, in your life. You think, well, okay, now I'll read the Bible. I'm going to try to read the Bible, and I'm going to do this, and that's going to help me. But then you fail, and you know what the enemy is saying? The enemy is saying the grace of God doesn't work. And we have to get out of this rat race of continually trying and failing because this is exhausting. And the exhausting life is a trap from the enemy, and a lot of us are actually living that life. Listen, you're not supposed to be a good Christian, and some of us think, if I can just be good, then I'm going to be the right Christian. The power for the Christian life is not you. Do you know who it is? It's the Holy Spirit. And we have to stop trying in our own power and get plugged into the right power source. And this is what Paul is telling us about. We can't be good little Christians. We have to be Holy Spirit-infilled Christians. We have to allow His power to be at work inside of us. This is a refuge of grace. And this is who we have to be in order to be Jesus, people. The power that we will discover... Whenever we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit is a radically changing power. And it is the power that we, where we actually discover the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ. You see, the purpose of what Jesus did on the cross was to cancel sin. The purpose of the empty tomb was to cancel, the, to defeat the consequence of sin. But then Jesus didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to give you someone that will sustain you, that will be your power whenever you operate in that power. And so Jesus said, everybody that lived up to Acts chapter 2 had been living under this law or under their own power. 
But in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, there was a radical change. And from that moment forward, we no longer have to be good Christians. We don't have to live under this law that condemns us. We can live in the freedom and power of the Holy Spirit that is power to live the victorious life that God desires for every one of us to live. Bob Goff, an amazing author, said it this way. Our problem following Jesus is that we're trying to be a better version of us rather than a more accurate reflection of Him. And God didn't save you and give you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could be a better version of you. He wanted you to be like Him. That was the power of the Holy Spirit, and that was why Jesus said, we've got to figure out a better way. It's not you being more loving, it's not you being more compassionate, and it's not you stopping lying or doing the wrong that you're actually doing. That's not what it's about. It's about you exchanging everything with a God and saying, God, I can't do it on my own because the good I want to do, I cannot do. And the sin is operating in my life and I've got to get past that and I need the power of your Holy Spirit. You know what? There are some outlets on this stage, some electrical outlets that don't work. I don't know which one doesn't work, but I know one time I plugged into one of these outlets and it just didn't work. And I thought the problem was the lamp that I was plugging into. But the lamp wasn't the problem. It was the outlet did not have power to it or it was broke or there was something wrong with the outlet. And that was the problem. And you know what we do in default in our Christian life? Is we plug into the wrong outlet. We think if I plug into myself, I'm I'm a good person. If I plug into myself, the good in me can overcome the sin and this struggle and this war that's taking place. You know what? You're plugging into an outlet that doesn't work. And then we wonder why we don't have the right power. We're wondering why we keep failing and we live out the end of Romans chapter 7 over and over and over and over. It's because you are plugged in to the wrong power. It's the Holy Spirit and His power that is working in every one of our lives. Paul said in verse 24, What a wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? And verse 25, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That He not only desires for us to live this way, But he gave us the power, the source, that when we get plugged into, then we're operating at a different level that he desires for us to be. I want you to listen to me when I say this. God did not want you, in your sin, to enter into a relationship with him and stop there. That's a step of it. And we have to have the full meal and not just the appetizer. We have to move to the next course. And the next course is receiving God's grace and then receiving the power, the infilling of His Holy Spirit that then radically changes every area of our life. Paul said it this way in Ephesians, the pinnacle of the gospel where he said, do not get drunk on wine. Now, some of us read this, and we get mad at the very beginning of this statement. Listen, this verse is not about wine. This verse has nothing to do with one substance. It's all about the end of this. 
He said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be who God wants us to be. Some other translations actually say, do not have debased living. Or do not live in excess. But instead, be filled with God's Spirit. Because the infilling power of God's Spirit gives us the necessary strength to be image bearers of Christ. And without this power, it's just like if a hurricane goes through and we're left without power. It doesn't matter how many times you call Florida Power and Light, the power's not coming back on. It does not matter... If at your house, the meter is connected to the pole or the lines running to your house, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do as a Christian unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we have to now, if you have received God's grace, we have to now move to the next step, which is the infilling power of God's Spirit that gives us the strength, the power to be his image bearers. Otherwise, we're just living Romans 7 over and over and over. So how do we do this? I've been here with you for a year and a half now. And if you've noticed anything about my preaching, I don't like making lists and preaching. That's just me. Um, there are some amazing preachers that make lists. And there's some of my favorite preachers that make lists. And I'm okay with that. I'm just saying my personal style is I don't like to make lists. But today I made a list for you. So I just want you to follow along. Because I've written six things that I think are important for us. And I'm going to be gone for the next week and a half. Pastor Jordan, which by the way is Pastor Jordan's birthday. Uh, so happy, happy birthday, Pastor Jordan. Um, Pastor Jordan is going to be preaching next week. Pastor Gary is going to be preaching on July 10th. And then starting the week after that, which is July 17th, we're going to start going through these six things because I think these six things are important for us to understand in a refuge of grace. And what these six things are is how we actually operate with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because if God has wanted us to be filled with His Spirit, and it's clear throughout Scripture that He has said that. And so if that is the case, and it is, then we need to figure out what does it look like for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about inside of these four walls. Because sometimes, in some areas of the church, they focus on the infilling of the Holy Spirit inside of the walls. I want to focus on the majority of your life, which takes place outside of these walls. And so I think these six things that we're going to go through are vital for us in this refuge of grace to live out the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you have to leave here today with a little bit of understanding of how the Holy Spirit operates in your life. I don't want to focus on evidence evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, other than how you live your life. We can debate a small section, and I don't want to debate that, 
But I want to take the truth of the gospel of how you live with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because what Paul was writing about here at the end of chapter 7 of the book of Romans was someone that was living life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And if Paul was struggling with it, then my goodness, we're going to struggle with it as well. So how is it that the work of Holy Spirit operates in a refuge of grace? Well, the first, I think, is he makes us more like Christ. He makes us more like Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be an image bearer of Christ. And you know when the church has always got in trouble? I'm not talking about Whitechapel Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. When did the church get in trouble? It's when we stopped being image bearers. We're just bearing the image of Christ. And so it's no secret, and some of you may have come into this place thinking, when's the pastor going to talk about what happened when the Supreme Court with Roe versus Wade? Listen, I am as pro-life as pro-life can be. And I'm not just talking about the womb. I'm talking about from the womb when God creates, in conception, when God creates a soul, until God desires for somebody to take their last breath on the face of this earth. I am as pro-life as pro-life can be. But you know what else? I am also pro-love. And there has been a lot of hatred going on on both sides of everybody. And I think that Jesus would say to his bride, stop being hateful for just a moment and just reflect the image of Christ. So what would Jesus do in these moments? It used to be bracelets that we wore. It was on t-shirts and it was a great thing. Everybody had WWJD bracelets. But we've got to go back to asking ourselves that question. What would Jesus do in these moments? And there are people saying, the church needs to do this, and the church needs to do this, and the church needs to take these steps. No. You know what the church needs to do? It just needs to simply reflect the image of Christ. And you know how we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way that we live out who God wants us to be in this refuge of grace. And we have to get living out the image of God outside of these walls into the world. We have to let people every day in our lives see that we are reflecting his image because that's what is going to draw them to Jesus. Despite how beautiful your image is when you look into the mirror, that doesn't attract people to God. That can attract people to you. And what I'm talking about is we have to be more like Christ and reflect His image so that they come to Him. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit makes me more like Christ. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 3.18, said this, And we all, he's writing to a bunch of believers, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, listen, are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see what Paul is saying to our Corinthian brothers and sisters here? The Holy Spirit's work in your life works in you to transform you into his image. If we miss this, we've missed the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to transform you into His image. So, the Holy Spirit makes you more like Christ. So, our goal in this refuge of grace is simply Christ 
likeness. His image, his image. We have to reflect that. The second thing that I think it does is the Holy Spirit helps you do God's will. In Romans 7, we read from the Apostle Paul where he has this struggle. And every one of us could say that there are times in our lives that that is our testimony as well. We struggle. We know what we should do. We know the right thing. But yet sin is operating in us and we do the wrong thing. We do what we know we shouldn't do. And we don't do what we know we should do. But when the Holy Spirit's power is operating in you, when you are plugged in to Holy Spirit, He helps you do God's will. Let me give you a scripture. Ezekiel 36, verse 27. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, and this, these are God's words. He says, and I will put my spirit in you. Why? So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see what the Holy Spirit actually does? The Holy Spirit helps you to do God's will. And the Holy Spirit will show you God's will. Because there are times that we don't know what the right thing is to do. Where we're standing there and we're wondering, is this right or is this right? Or is doing nothing right? Well, the only way that you know that is to ask God and the Holy Spirit provide the answer to you. Because there are times we do not know the right thing to do. And that's why God has given us His Spirit. Because He will tell us the right thing and then He will help us do the right thing. The Holy Spirit prevents sin and prevents wrongs in our life. This is God's will for us. That we would rise above that and be who he desires for us to be. And without the Holy Spirit, we will miss it every single time. So the Holy Spirit, it makes me more like Christ as an image bearer, reflecting his image. The Holy Spirit helps you do God's will. And the Holy Spirit equips you with spiritual gifts. And this is important for us. It's not just receiving salvation, where Jesus becomes our Savior and our Lord, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, but there is some purpose, and what the Holy Spirit does after that is not only infill us so we can reflect His image, not only infill us so that we can always do His will, but the way that He does that is He begins to equip us with spiritual gifts. And some of us miss this work of the Holy Spirit. And we think it's simply being a part of the church instead of allowing his spiritual gifts to operate in the church. Paul has written a lot about this. And we're going to actually work through this. Listen, the church is God's church. It's not my church. It's not our elders' church. It is God's church. And we cannot let my gifts, and we cannot let the elders' gifts, and your gifts operate in the church. They have to be his gifts, which are his gifts that he then gives us to do his work. Whenever we are operating on our own gifts and talents, we're plugged into the wrong power source. And then we wonder, why is God not doing anything? Why are, why are we not seeing things happen the way that we think that they should be happening in the church? Well, if that's the case, we better ask, what power source are we plugged into? 
Because if we are operating on our own gifts instead of his spiritual gifts that Holy Spirit then gives us, then we're operating on the wrong set of gifts. And we have to unplug from that power source and plug in to the source of power in the church, which is the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Paul writing here says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. I love this verse because this says to me that in the church, we're not a bunch of cookie cutters. How boring would that be? But instead, Holy Spirit gives each of us a variety of spiritual gifts that he wants to use so that we can be who God wants us to be. And the gifts that we receive will empower us for the calling that God has placed in your life. And the only way that you live up to that calling, that you are successful in your relationship with him, is when you receive these gifts, spiritual gifts, that God wants to use in your life. The Holy Spirit equips you with spiritual gifts. The next thing that I think Holy Spirit does is he gives you hope. He gives you hope. My goodness, this world needs hope. We need hope. And Jesus' people who are filled with the Holy Spirit are full of hope. And listen, the enemy uses so many things to rob us from this hope. So many things. If there is something that is stealing your hope, if there is something that is bringing doom and gloom into your life, then you need to separate yourself from that because that is not the work of Holy Spirit. And you have to get plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life because it's in His power operating in us where we discover that we can have hope. Paul again in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13 says, so that you may overflow with hope. Now, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just say, I want you to overflow with hope. But he then gave the answer again. He said, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you feeling hopeless in some areas of your life? Are you feeling the doom and gloom and the weight of the world? Listen, you need the Holy Spirit's power operating in you. That gives you hope. And listen, if you are getting out of bed every single day and you are dreading the day, you are missing the hope that God wants to put in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be in this refuge of grace. We have to be a people of hope. Why? Because we have a God. And our God is full of hope. And when the world is doom and gloom, God is our source of hope. Plug into the Holy Spirit's power that gives us hope. The work of the Holy Spirit in a refuge of grace gives you hope. This messy world needs hope. The fifth thing, the, Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in this refuge of grace teaches and gives insight into Jesus' words. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we cannot properly understand God's preserved word for us. And we have to get these pages, or the words on these pages, off of the pages and into our life. And the way that we do that 
is by allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us and give us insight into what's happening here. Otherwise, we could read through Paul's words here and say, what I want to do, I do not do. Instead, I do what I do not want to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And we, we could read that and we can say, oh yeah, I, I understand that. I, I actually live like that. But you know what? You need some insight. And you need to be taught by the Holy Spirit. And so what we have to learn to do is actually sit with God's Word and have a conversation with God about His Word. We, we just uh, went through a Wednesday night study that ended at the beginning of this month. And in that, we read Robert Morris's book, Frequency. One of the things that Robert Morris said in the book that just blew my mind is in the book that God has given to us, in the very beginning, we begin, God begins time on earth as we know it, by actually speaking things into existence. He actually spoke. God was communicating in that moment. If we fast forward to the end of the book, into the, to the very, very end, where God is giving us some insight into prophecy of the end of time, it ends with God actually speaking. So what we have is the beginning of time that God is speaking and the end of time where God is speaking. And everything from the beginning to the end, God is a communicator. How is it that he communicates now? It's through his Holy Spirit. And the work that God wants to do in our lives in this refuge of grace is to teach us and give us insight into Jesus' words. Jesus actually said it this way in John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the words that I have said to you. You see, Jesus is saying, I am leaving... But the Holy Spirit is going to come. He starts John chapter 14 with those words. I'm going to go away. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm not going to abandon you. Instead, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And here in verse 26, he tells us the work that the Holy Spirit's going to do. Which is to teach us all things. What do you need to know in your life? It falls within these two words. All things. You see the work of the Holy Spirit here? is to teach us. Maybe, just maybe, we need to stop listening to other people that want to teach us something and sit with the one who wants to teach us all things so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what God wants us to know instead of what somebody else wants to know. Now, the way that the Holy Spirit works in our life, I'm not saying we turn off every teacher out there. That's not what I'm saying. Because God uses other people with their spiritual gifts to speak into our lives. And so we need other people. But we also much more need the Holy Spirit to teach us. So what the Holy Spirit does in a refuge of grace is he teaches us and gives us insight to Jesus' words. I've experienced this in my life in a variety of different ways. But oftentimes it's in the heat of the moment, if you will where I don't have time to say, pause for just a moment. I need to figure out what the Holy Spirit is teaching me right now. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? When I do the work of sitting with Him first, when I'm in this moment, He will allow my mind, through His anointing, to go back into this moment where I sat with Him first, to bring what He said to me back here into the present. 
That's how the Holy Spirit teaches us and gives us insight into Jesus' words. But if you're not sitting with the Holy Spirit, and if you're not allowing him to teach you in this moment, whenever you need it in the heat of the moment, you'll miss it. So we have to be diligent about sitting with Holy Spirit so that he can teach us and give us insight into Jesus' words. The last thing for us, this is, this is the sixth thing. The work of the Holy Spirit in a refuge of grace, he guides our prayer. He guides our prayer. You know, there are some times in my prayer life where I just don't have the words. I don't know what to pray for. There are some people that have come to me and have brought some heavy, heavy burdens, and I don't know what to pray for. I don't have the wisdom to know what to pray for, and I just pray. And the Holy Spirit, I've discovered, guides my words in that moment, that the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what I want you to pray. And, and the way that I do that is, is I'll write it down. I'll, I'll start journaling some things. I'll, I'll just write down what I feel the Holy Spirit's saying. And then before I know it, I've got a section of prayer that I didn't know how to pray. But that's the Holy Spirit that is guiding my words in prayer. That may sound a little strange, but Romans 8.26, this next chapter after we just read, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. That, that's what I just said. There are times I don't know what to pray for. But Paul says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. You see what the Holy Spirit does is he guides our prayers. He guides you and he will let you know what to pray for. These are six things that I think God wants to do in the life of Whitechapel Church. I think that God is going to do, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that God is going to continue doing an amazing work through this refuge of grace. But we have to operate on Holy Spirit's power and not our power. We have to make certain that these things are at work in every one of our lives. And I'm not saying that we're all going to be perfect and we're all going to live these out over and over every single day in our lives because I don't always thrive in every one of these areas. Paul tells us that he doesn't always thrive in these areas, but we're on a journey together in a refuge of grace with the infilling power of Holy Spirit in our lives to be all that God wants us to be. I want to leave you with a scripture from the book of Galatians this morning. It's a little bit different. I discovered this in a different translation. But here in Galatians, this is what Paul says. He says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. What Paul is saying is we have to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be exactly who God wants us to be. I think that God wants to use you in this refuge of grace. I'm convinced of it. I think that God puts people in the church right where he wants us to be. And it's so that he can operate among us, in us, and then through us to accomplish 
his will for this world. But what we have to do is be completely yielded to him. We can't step up to the table and say, oh God, I'm ready to do this. Or I've got this that I'm, I'm just let me do this. I'm gonna. We can't operate like that. We have to begin in a posture of humility before God. Saying, I don't know why you want to use me. I don't know. But I know that he does want to use all of us. And we have to say, God, I will be the glove. You fill me so that you can use me. So this has to be a moment of total surrender. Total surrender for us. As a church, as a refuge of grace, and as individuals. As if God himself were to stand before us and say, how are you going to operate? Are you going to continue operating the way that Paul writes at the end of Romans 7? Or are you going to operate in a surrendered, powerful life where the Holy Spirit operates in you? I want us to be a refuge of grace that reaches the full potential that God desires for us to be. But this moment has to be a moment of total surrender for every single one of us. Maybe you have not received God's grace. Maybe you have just been operating and trying to be the best that you can be, hoping and praying that any good that's in you is going to allow you to continue in relationship with him. Paul addresses that as well, and he says, I've got some amazing trophies, and I've done some amazing things in my life, but that is absolutely nothing when it comes to relationship with Jesus. So this moment should be a moment of laying those trophies down, saying, God, I'm not going to cling to those things anymore. I'm just going to cling to your grace, and then I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit so your spirit can overflow out of me, that I'm plugged into your power source. God wants to. God wants to be the total 100% king in your life. But that doesn't happen until you surrender everything to him. That's not just your life. That's everything that you possess. Everything that you possess. He's given it to you so that he can use it. You've got to surrender it though so that he can use it and then provide and then use it and then provide. Look at us as a church. He's blessed us with some amazing facilities. He's done the work through some of you and so many other people. But they have to be surrendered to him so that through his powerful Holy Spirit, he can use them. So I want to ask you in this moment to surrender absolutely everything to him. So that his work and his will, through the blood of Jesus, through the hope that comes through the empty tomb, and through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God's work will be done in you and then through you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time. 
Have a great week and be blessed.